everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Austin Pudding Podcast. This makes three at this point. Um, so it's been a fun, fun little ride so far. I uh, hope you've enjoyed. If you've listened, if you're new to the show, well, the show is also new to the world. So um, welcome. Uh, looking for all the listenership uh, we can muster at this point. Um, anyway. This week, I'll be talking to Jeffrey Vachon of primarily Doom Lover, but also of the Cheerful Desolation Choir, um, which has been Jeffrey's side project during the past year and change of pandemic living. Um, he's been pretty prolific, uh, so I wanted to talk to him about, you know, just his pretty much constant recording process. He's released five albums. Um, since last year as Cheerful Desolation Choir. Um, and he has another one on the way. So uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, we're also going to roast a lot of, uh, you know, prominent, iconic musicians, uh, mostly white dudes from the 70s. Um, not that we don't really love some of their music, but uh, it's always always good to uh to keep them in check and uh take them to task sometimes um anyway uh, without further ado here's part one of my interview with jeff from cheerful desolation choir settings because i'm i so i'm not even used to siri because i never i never use that shit i sometimes she pops up because i have one of these like newer 
generation MacBooks with like yeah, the touch same. bar up top. And it's it's so easy to just accidentally trigger her. Oh yeah. I had to you can take her off of there. My roommate was like, oh. dude, you can change that. Oh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google how to do that right now <laughs> so I can do yeah, that as that soon. Was a I've definitely I got big uh, my hands are always fumbling around touching stuff. I fucking I swear to god, I still don't I have like professional certifications in like audio and media technology and i still don't know how to like effectively get to my fucking desktop on this <laughs> i'm always so, I'm just, i don't it's, get the whole multiple desktop things i so, i like having multiple desktops just for like organization i'm i'm also so i'm definitely one of those people that has way too many tabs open at once uh however um i like divide them amongst different windows and then divide those <laughs> no, windows I mean, amongst the different desktops so i have oh, like sure. i have like one desktop that's just dedicated to also putting stuff uh i have another that's just for like random ass shit that like oh i like i wikipedia a lot of random ass stuff yeah so uh <laughs> um before we get too into talking yeah. i want to because i neglected to do this for the last the first interview okay. that uh i conducted for what will be this brand spanking new Alston Pudding podcast. And so I want to get that out of the way first. Um, so uh, welcome to, I believe this will be, it's looking like this will end up being episode three, possibly episode four or episode three, part one and two, depending on how long we go. Um, but uh, yes, please state your name for the record, uh, who you, uh, what bands you play with, uh, how, um, and I guess we'll get into other questions after that. Cool. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Vashon. Uh, that's V is in victory is how I always say it. My, my family says Victor, but I think it's funny <laughs> to see the look on people's faces, uh, like a cashier when you say victory and they're like this fucking guy. Uh, I play in doom lover, which has been a band here for about 10 years. Uh, and more recently, I have been doing a solo project called the Cheerful Desolation Choir, which I will probably refer to as Cheery D a number of times after this, because <laughs> I talk very fast. I chose a, a solo project name that's hard to say in a South Shore accent. Cheery D in the kids table. <laughs> Fa famous Alston resident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. And uh, so I think today we're going to mostly focus on Cheery D stuff, because that's a lot of what you've been up to the past the past year and change of this uh this pandemic that we're you know knock on wood hopefully seeing our way out of um but uh yeah so how long have you sort of been uh involved with the boston music scene and how long you know how many bands have you played with how long has like doom lover been been together before this I mean, I think I saw I'm from uh, I'm from a couple different places in Massachusetts originally. I've never lived uh, farther than a half an hour away from Boston. So I'd, I started I played a couple of shows in the city in high school. I played at All Asia, which uh, is a rite of passage for an entire uh, like generation or two of Boston bands, which it's it's been gone for so long now that I bet there's probably bands now that have never even heard the name. Yeah, no, show. I that is um, that's not familiar to me. So, uh, <laughs> wh where was that? Um, that was it was right down the street from the Middle East complex. Uh, there's a okay. giant there's a giant MIT building there now. Uh, it okay. was this tiny little bar that you could uh, buy dumplings at, 
and it there were oh. signs that said two drink minimum everywhere and it was always like kids renting the room so like no one ever mm-hmm. hit the minimum but they you know they would let it. it was a lot of it was like a little playground for kids it was a real small it was a lot like the middle east corner in size okay um but yeah that was definitely a rite of passage for an entire kind of generation of boston music so i've been here for a while uh, i okay. moved to the city in 2006 i moved to alston in 2000 uh, nine, which is really when I started, uh, honest to God, playing shows a lot. I was in uh, a blues rock band called Big East for four or five years. It was uh, we played a lot in the Americana scene. Uh, we did the Americana Fest uh, at church, which was another dead club. I mm-hmm. played I've, again. I've been here a long time. A lot of dead clubs in my stories yeah. now. Church, yeah, church. I I've heard of. I don't think yeah. I ever made it out there, but um. it was it was fun for a while, and then uh, it kind of. I don't know. It it lost it lost a little bit of its zing uh, in its later years, but you know sometimes clubs are kind of a flash in the pan. Um, anyway, yeah, I uh, I've been playing shows here for since about two thousand nine, so it's been it's been okay, a long yeah, time yeah. that I've been bumping around here. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was right about when. I mean, so I have also you know grew up around Boston, but two thousand nine is when I actually like moved to Boston proper for college went to BU so that's more or less when I started going to going to shows around here um but uh you didn't get like too involved in like the more hyper local aspects of it um until uh until probably after college um I was like more you know I feel like college students around here whether or not they're from here don't the vast majority of them don't you know fully realize how rich and and diverse and how many different genres are are present just like in the hyper local sphere and are a little more obsessed with going to see like touring acts or whatever oh sure i think you know uh one thing I've noticed, and uh, you know, you going to BU that makes sense. Uh, like BU. Oh yeah, that may. <laughs> what, what does I'm that gonna, mean? <laughs> I'm getting there. That's how I'm yeah, setting sorry. up a point. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, BU students I've found are uniquely kind of presented uh, with the music scene, at least the Alston one, uh, pretty in, in a stronger way than I think a lot of other students are. Because mm-hmm. you know, you got to take the train past the Paradise and Great Scott. Eventually, you're gonna walk yeah. in there. And, yeah. you know, the dice, you know, you'll you'll see some locals opening every once in a while. But I mean, Great Scott, as you know, uh, was, you know, Alston's Mecca for mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. us. That was, you know, where people where the people were. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, all, over my years, a lot of my you know friends, a lot of people I played shows with, you know, 12 years ago were kids that went to BU. You know, I met one of my oldest friends, this band called Banana Phonetic that uh, Doom Lover used to play with all the time. Uh, they were all BU kids. I met them at a house party on Greylock Street that uh, like one of my other friends lived there. They had a painting of Toe Jam and Earl on the wall. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, BU kids are all right. So, yeah, I, I would mm-hmm. say out of all the colleges in the area, uh, BU students definitely get hip to the scene uh, faster and more consistently than I'd say mm-hmm. uh, a lot of other students do. I mean, obviously, Berkeley kids uh, are very heavily embedded until they don't want to be anymore. Um, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, there's plenty of BU kids. Like, I don't want to give BU kids that much credit either. There's... Oh, I worked there for four years. I don't. I, I don't want to either. <laughs> uh, no, well, so I when I was at BU, I started working at uh, Paradise and Brighton Music Hall, presented by Citizens Bank. I should also 
add that in because that's now on their their facade which is i, I want to repaint it red man i just mm. i just mm. i, I want to i uh i miss it you know i i i have a soft spot for those venues because i used to work there but when i saw that they had added that i was like mm, god damn well of course they're owned by live nation so you know yeah I, yeah i you know <laughs> It's one of those things that, like, I suppose I, I'm not gonna because I we I have a, a personal relationship with Bright Music Hall. They let my band play there often, um, which is very nice of them. Uh, and but yeah, like you know, I a, a bank buying a venue is something that you know you can't really on on the ground level. I can't do anything about that, and that seems yeah. like something like uh, that's not going to dissuade me from continuing to go or play there. But man, did they have to put it in the name? Like I just yeah. like let the yeah. bank own it. But come on, man, just <laughs> why does it have to? It's clunky now. Like, yeah, no, no, it, no one's gonna clunky. say it. And it's, it's like it's, it's like when a when a big sports stadium is like Met Bank Arena or whatever, yeah. or just like I don't know. It, Although I will it, say. Uh, I love that they call in Rhode Island. They refer to the Dunkin' Donuts Center as the Dunk, and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I'm bummed out that that's in Rhode Island, and not at least Boston. yeah, at least at least Rhode Island is like in Dunkin' Donuts. It's like a New England thing, I guess. Yeah. Oh, but, I uh, mean, they're yeah, that's still on brand. They uh, they deserve it. I just wish it was ours. But yeah, it's uh, but I mean, like you look at um, whatever it's called now, the the pavilion i just call it the pavilion because god knows what it's going to be next week what bank is going to have just change the it back to harbor lights. lights give the townies yeah. what they want change it. i actually i, I just think there. the the pavilion works really well or i don't know maybe something harbor lights is great because it's right on the water there yeah. but i don't know what it's called now because they keep changing its damn yeah. name i worked there to a different bank and it was it was Bank of America Pavilion the three summers I worked yes. there. Um, that's what and, I I remember it being because that's what it was when I was a teenager and started yeah. seeing shows occasionally there. It's never a place that I frequent. Oh but, yeah, uh, I I I've been to so many shows there because I was like you know a food runner in the VIP tent and my last uh, my last show there, uh, man they there's there's some summer because they cater to such an older crowd for the most part. Um, you know, those tours kind of take years off being well attended. So like, you know, I, there was one summer I saw Crosby, Stills and Nash there and they were packed and then they came around next year and, you know, half the crowd either died or was like, we saw them like <laughs> last week. And so, you know, not to be morbid, but Hey, it's, a, it's an older crowd. Um, and so, no, you know, I mean, I saw my first show. There was the Almond Brothers with my yeah, dad. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly the venue for it. Was the, that's not at the Twitter yeah. center or god whatever the variety uh, no, no we can call it the tweeter center it'll right. always be the tweeter center that yes. that one made sense because tweeter was like a even though that's a a company that had yeah. bought, like at least it's an it was an audio company i also uh anything that sounds great in a boston accent uh is worth like, call, like just being like oh the tweeter center yeah i'm going to see petty the tweeter center guy <laughs> like that's that's got such like bop to it you know yeah. i love that uh Another, technically Townies will call it Great Woods, uh, mm -hmm. which also makes sense because it, it just has some woods. Yeah, it's, it's just surrounded yeah, it's, by parking lots. In the middle like, of Mansfield. There's we no kept other reason. 12 of the trees. Like that's <laughs> we wanted you guys to feel like, you know, good about it. No, I have I have some good memories at the Oh, Tweeter same. Center. I saw Lollapalooza yeah. there the last my first, year. My first like big thing. big big concert um was uh again with my dad. Uh was like Roger Waters playing Dark Side of the Moon all the way through. Oh, yeah. Uh, first first encounter with um, 
with marijuana there too at that same Roger Waters that, show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I went on Dark Side, man. <laughs> that's the point. Uh, I went. This is actually a good segue. I went on a field trip to the Tweeter Center once in high school with my with one of my music classes, and um, I guess the teacher, my teacher's brother, was one of the sound guys. I think. Uh, and it was right around the time when uh, the Led Zeppelin uh, live uh, How the West Was Won concert just came out. And so we were all very into it because we were, you know, teenage boys in bands. Um, and so we brought one of us brought that CD with us. And to test out the PA at the Tweeter Center, we sat on the grass and listened to a couple of tracks off that live <laughs> Zeppelin record. And on there, like just a bunch of like like stoned ass kids just like oh man it's like seeing zeppelin live dude this is so sick <laughs> and it's just like i mean we listened to a cd it's play i after you know like 10 11 years of being a live audio engineer i'm like yeah we just played a cd that's not that cool <laughs> <laughs> i've i've played so many cds it's not that yeah. it's not that interesting um no also first time i got uh blackout drunk at a show was at the tweeter center I think by then it was already not the Tweeter Center and it was something else that is that a name that it is no longer anymore either. Yeah, because yeah, it's the Xfinity Center now, right? Is that what it is? It, it definitely was for a bit if it's not still, but I can't confirm and I won't yeah, look it up. I, I think it was the Verizon. I don't even. Yeah, who cares? It's, it's yeah. fine. I've been, been to a lot of shows there. You know, I, grew, yeah. I spent a couple I spent about seven. Yeah, they got the they got the university. They uh they made shoes for the Civil War. Uh, that was a thing that they were oh, famous nice, for. Nice. Someone um, had to. 
Yeah. East Bridgewater got absolutely decimated uh, during King Philip's War. Uh, there were nine houses and then there were like zero houses. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What other facts do I remember about down there? Um, oh, uh, Robert Stack went to Bridgewater State. Uh, I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, so. uh, the, the host of uh, Unsolved Mysteries from the 90s. Oh, OK. All right. Then, yes, I do know who that is. I just because yeah. I love that show, but I. It's too young to know the names of hosts. Oh, for sure. And it, I, and yeah. probably didn't care either. I was just like, give me the mystery. Well, now, uh, since you mentioned his name, his full name is actually amazing. His name is Robert Langford Modini Stack. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, if, that's a killer. If I, if I needed to name another band, I would name it Langford Modini in a heartbeat. Why go by Robert Stack and not Bobby Modini? I don't know. If you're, yeah, okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's his life his life but yeah um i also want to make uh just point out that this is now two for two episodes in and two for two mentions of led zeppelin uh so i'm i'm wondering and, and it's not i'm not forcing this i just because <laughs> <laughs> uh, what nobody I'm, what, does they yeah. just come up yeah That's... somehow uh but uh yeah so what what i'm gonna do for each episode is like every every, pretty much every artist we mention um i'm gonna make a little companion playlist uh, oh cool including like including your music oh sure Um, Uh, but also every artist we mentioned so now i'm wondering how many how many zep appearances are going to be in these (laughs) these playlists i'm making i i I hope you know, a year from now, it's just like we find out what everyone in Boston's favorite Zeppelin song is. And that's yeah. just an AP playlist. Yeah, this this is just, <laughs> yeah, somehow this wasn't my my goal setting out, but somehow yeah. Yeah, one of those, maybe it'll just be a random question that I ask everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to have to like the next person I interview will I'll have to be like, hey, have you? Have you ever listened to Led Zeppelin? No? Great. Let's talk. <laughs> Do you have any Led Zeppelin anecdotes? I want to just get them out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, the podcast will just turn into Harry Talks Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. I, uh, no, I don't have the bandwidth for that. <laughs> like, if, if I was, if this was 15 years ago, that would probably be the, the only thing I'd really want to talk about. But, oh, I mean, interest in Led Zeppelin doesn't have that bandwidth anymore. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know, be, I'm surprised I even like think of them anymore. It, yeah, it's I'm still a big uh, big Bobby Plant fan. Love love oh, Robert yeah, I Plant. Mean, I have I have long curly blonde hair, so yes, I, yeah. <laughs> I fully I fully get that. I was very into the I in, you know when I was in high school, I I very much thought I was cultivating a Robert Plant look. I definitely wasn't. <laughs> uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah, definitely but, you definitely know. wasn't. Um, I, d- I, I certainly owned a couple blouses that I bought at a Salvation Army thinking that like yeah. it looked good. It probably didn't. But, you know, some, you know, it's always a difference between like whether a man wears the shirt or the shirt wears the man. And I like to think I was at least wearing the fucking shirt. <laughs> um, but who's to say? Hmm. I don't know. You could I, I don't know if uh, Robert Plant's on like Instagram. Maybe you could DM him or something and be like, hey, Bobby. <laughs> Oh, there's. I I don't think there's any photos of me in that era, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, uh, I I know the feel. There's um, entire family vacations that there's no evidence that I was ever, ever present on those vacations. Yeah, I very much know. an anti-photo time. 
I, I it's it's interesting being you know 33 years old in the in this you know having grown up without any Instagram or social media or anything and like now seeing people whose almost their entire lives have been taken photo like mm-hmm. you know 12 photos of every day and you know we all take pictures of ourselves and whatever but you know there's just like whole swaths of my life where like no one really took my picture unless I was on stage. So yeah. like, you, know, you get a couple, you get a shot of me every couple of months, like, oh, his hair got longer. Oh, he got a haircut. And that's really, you know, it's, it's, there's not a lot of change. Um, and so there's very few contexts of like seeing where I was, like, there's just no photos of me. And I think that's nice. I like, mm-hmm. I like, uh, I like having there be very few photos of me. Yeah. I mean, my family isn't like a huge, like we're going to display all the, all our family vacation photos anyway. So it, it hasn't really made that much of a difference. Um, but uh, like it, sometimes it is, I won't say nice, but interesting to go back and, and see sort of where you were at. Um, I don't know that there, there's a bunch of very cute pictures of me as, as a child. <laughs> and then there's just 404 not found. And then I'm in my twenties. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, uh, I, man, all the pictures of me in my twenties, I am just like, I'm the pointiest little guy. I was very underweight. I think I weighed a buck 30 soaking wet and I'm, I'm five foot eight. So that's, you know, not a lot of person to be, you know, pricking around in the wind. Um, and so there's just like a half decade or so of fi- pictures of me where I just look like one of the spy V spy guys oh. in every photo, just a pointy little asshole, usually with a can of beer, holding it weird <laughs> monster hands. Um, and yeah, so it's pretty much after all those, I'm just like, all right, yeah, I don't need any photo. I'm, I'm in my thirties. No one's, nobody's taking pictures of me. It's, it's great. No, no, like thirties. I don't know. I'm a big believer in like the, the late twenties, early thirties glow up. Like I feel like, Oh yeah, no, for sure. I, I hit 27 and I was like, Oh, get me out of this place. Like I want that three. I'm looking, I'm begging for that three at that point. Um, it's been really nice. Uh, your twenties are for, uh, you know, test the, the, your twenties are when all of your limits are tested for an entire mm-hmm. decade. And then your thirties, uh, is when you get to like, actually sit down in that. It's like, you know, uh, like what is that? Like working in a nice leather chair, your twenties, you're just beating in all the corners and stuff. Yeah. Then your thirties, you finally get to fucking sit in it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, wait, oh, you finally hey, sat in it enough where this it's isn't like perfect, but it's mine. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. It's I molded to my ass. Like, yeah, which is like there really... is, there is an ash shape that is, you know, and that's, my ass that's... and no one else's ass. And that's what we call a legacy, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's, you know, that's a metaphor for legacy is a wearing in from the ass. But it's true that like your twenties kind of suck unless you're like a, a trust fund baby. And like, you're, you don't, everything sucks if you don't have money. That's just, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's America. (laughs) That's, you know, you're either bought into the club or you're beaten out of it. Um, sorry, that was dire. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. Let's get, let's get dark. This is this is this is a space for that. Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, getting back to your your own music and your own sort of history of music. So when did when did you kind of form Doom Lover? Because that's that's your your full band with other people. Yeah, Doom Lover is my my main project that uh, I've been doing for about ten. I see Doom Lover started in two thousand twelve. Uh, the uh, other guy named Jeff uh, that I started the band with. 
Uh, he and I, uh, we were both in separate bands uh, before that. Me in that uh, Big East band that I mentioned earlier and him. He was in a shoegaze band called Deosos. Uh, and we were both huge fans of each other and we were good friends. Uh, and both our bands kind of broke up around the same time. And uh, I got a Studio 52 opened up. I got a room by myself uh, just thinking like, well, I got to get a band in here and I have a month to do it because I'm not paying another $340 by myself for this empty mm -hmm. practice space, which I'm, you know, uh, luckily it worked out because, uh, you know, uh, about a month later, Jeff was like, hey, do you want to do you want to jam with Kyle and I? And, uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, we've been through a couple and what, of what changes. year was that? Did you mention uh, 2012? Uh, okay. It was August 2012 was the first time uh, the four of us that started the band ever played together. Um, and, you know, I wasn't even sure. None of us were sure it was going to work at first, um, you know, because I'm a big loud dude uh, who was in a blues rock band and said a lot of things like babe and like, <laughs> i would like introduce the band like i was just like and a guitar on this side like, <laughs> i yeah i used the uh the uh ballroom blitz voice a lot in my old band okay um, we were a did you, did you used to say like like take it for a walk stuff like that uh, no not no. not like that it was uh a lot more vulgar i my shit was <laughs> i would get the audience to scream a lot throughout the set like on the count of three and if they'd fuck up or if they weren't loud enough i would berate them mm, and then they mm -hmm, would just mm -hmm. I'd, it was weird i feel i would feel so and well that's the thing they're never loud enough you have to let them know that they're never loud enough the first yeah, time and so it was a really raucous time uh we had like we we would play that we'd play church a lot and we did really well at that club and people would send up platters of whiskey shots for us and i'm like 22 and like i'm I literally i weigh as much as a small bag of feathers and so like i there's a there's a couple of videos of me playing at that club where i'm very obviously blackout drunk and i'm just like like i know that's like the fourth to last song like there's i gotta got another 20 minutes <laughs> on stage and like someone's gonna have to carry that bird home uh, put me in with the gear in the back of the car and i'll and just put me like prop me that's, up against the wall that's rock and roll baby I, yeah, yeah i can't roll i can't imagine doing just that being now. absolutely shit-faced and somehow still able to work yeah. a crowd yeah i you know i i looking back now the 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 fact that like i got i got somebody's number once the only time i ever spit beer at the crowd um no. and that was at uh i'll name another dead club that was a precinct which i believe uh, it's called Union Tavern now. It was Brass Union for a while. Okay, yeah. So um, in, in Union Square, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a club called Precinct for, uh, I don't know how long, but for a while. Um, and I summarily got very drunk during a set, uh, took my shirt off and spit beer on the crowd. It's, it's, imagine at that tiny bar. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, I got someone's number. I believe that they were like, they had like a PhD. It was uh, way out of my league. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, so... Excuse me. I can't imagine acting like that ever again on stage. Uh, but so that's uh, that's the band I came from. That was my, that was my old stuff. And so then that band broke up, which, wow, what a surprise. A bunch of screaming drunk children uh, couldn't sustain a band. And so, yeah, we we started writing songs together, Jeff and I. Uh, and uh, I think our first show was at Radio, another dead club. <laughs> Um, like, like I said, I've been doing, I've been here a while. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of turnover even in like a short span of a couple of years. Oh yeah. Not even, um, not even the, the length of years that you're talking about your history here, just like even in the past, like four or five years. Oh yeah, so for sure. Restaurants I mean, we, open up and close and that's, 
don't know. That's the nature of Boston real estate. You know, nothing is, nothing is sacred. Even like, you know, we brought up great Scott earlier, which, you know, again, knock on wood, fingers crossed that it's, that it's going to be, Oh yeah. It's going to make uh, like, just like the Phoenix will rise from the ashes stronger. (laughs) Uh, You said that and I was like, did the Phoenix landing close? (laughs) No, no, no. They're, they're still open. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, but uh, I mean that, that, club has been around and such a, such a hallmark of, of local, local venues and, and local music. And, you know, it's been around for decades and even that was not enough to, to save it because fuck landlords. Uh, yeah, uh, I, if that's controversial to anyone who might <laughs> end up listening to this podcast, just please note that a, a blanket statement for this podcast is fuck landlords. Yeah, and um, all of my bands will sign on to that. So awesome! Yeah, <laughs> if you're like, I don't know, I'm basing whether or not I listen to this guy's music on if he thinks landlords are cool. I don't. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't realize I was interviewing <laughs> waves right now. <laughs> <laughs>
somehow yeah. still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, lily pad I mean, it's going really strong. just like a guy's living room, basically, that yeah. someone converted into a club. Um, I've, cool. seen, I've seen a I lot of good, good shows there. there. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, like, I want people to be like, hey, is this a lily pad? And I'm like, get out. This is my. <laughs> I'm just having coffee on my porch, dude. This is not a club anymore. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I took the piano. Uh, I like that window. It's nice. Um, no, I hope the lily pad stays forever. I hope. Yeah, lily pads are great. I hope space. clubs. Uh, I hope clubs keep opening. I we so uh, you know I've talked a lot about dead clubs. One thing that I uh, I'll never forget because I think it's really funny that I got to do this. I got to book the first show ever at Sonia when that opened. Oh, okay, um, cool. I don't know uh, why uh, the booking guy let me do it because um, he was skeptical about who I was. Other people had to be like, no, he's legit. Let him do it. Um, but in my head, I'm like, dude, you're the booking guy. Why are you giving the first show of a brand new club to <laughs> is, not you? Why yeah, you isn't me? this yeah your job? I was like, wouldn't you want this? And I was like, all right, yeah, no, I'm booking a Doom Lover show, man. Um, and so, because um, I, I was an intern at TT's uh, a couple of years before they closed. And, you know, TT's is an incredible historic place uh, that, you know, some folks had some bad times at. You know, I... When I was a sound intern there, I once had to clean the ceiling of the keg fridge with a bleached rag while standing on the kegs. So, you know, uh, one of the sound guys punched me in the back one night when I was interning uh, for no reason. He just punched me in the fucking back. No, oh, I, um, I love I love when dudes just decide to punch you for. Yeah. Um, and like, at, a, you know, at a show, I, I, I've I've heard. Uh, heard and seen things uh, that people associated with the club have said in public and and on social media that has made me think, oh, not the nicest person. So, you know, I I was excited to be the first person to uh, book a show Mm -hmm. in a place where I was kind of like, I know everybody loves this place, but like, I don't know, man. (laughs) Like, it was, (laughs) I think it was time for that place. And, you know, I... I that whole corner is so in, integral to um, you know the scene, not even just locally but nationally. You know, everybody mm-hmm. across the country that's part of the touring ecosystem knows about the Middle East complex, and mm-hmm. you know I, that's been such. You know, I haven't been there. I mean, obviously not in. However, I've been referring to time as blurs because how can I gauge how long any of this has been anymore? Yeah, um, but you know, <laughs> I already hadn't been to the Middle East any of the Middle East rooms for like a couple of ye- like maybe a year or two before. Yeah, I think the, the last time, time for me getting... was like 2018 uh, at some point. And they, I had already kind of like, you know, reeled back. Um, and, you know, I, I hope it, I hope it survives. I, I don't, you know, obviously there needs to be a change in ownership. Uh, yeah. I, I wish uh, that somehow we could, just give it to the scene. Just let, I mean, mm-hmm. it's already all musicians and artists who work there anyway. Just give it to us. Yeah. Cambridge, if you're listening to AP podcast, yeah. give seize, us, seize the Middle East for give ourselves. Us, give us the clubs. Just give them to us because we'll keep them alive. We understand, uh, you know, the importance they have to the infrastructure and the culture of our of the tri city area, which I'm going to try to popularize. We should start <laughs> try. Bo- Bo- it's no longer the city of Boston. It's no longer the greater Boston area. Tri city area. That's what we're going with now. When I uh, when I was a little kid, I grew up in uh, Methuen, Massachusetts, which is on the mm-hmm. border of uh, Mass and New Hampshire. And oh, maybe I, you knew my college freshman year roommate. I hope not, because he was <laughs> fucking sucked. But uh, um, if you're listening, John, which you're not, fuck <laughs> you. Yeah, fuck you, John. I'm I'm with Harry on this one. You were yeah. you're an asshole. Um, but 
I'm going to leave that in too. Yeah. It helps some, um, somehow, some way. If you should, you, if you want to just like take a sample of me going, you're an asshole and just use it on the podcast. <laughs> by all means, oh. I will pre-record. Any yeah. Actually. You want. Yeah. Can we get another, like, let's give me like a three second pause before and after just so all I right. can get a clean cut of the audio. You're an asshole. Beautiful. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right, my, I would love to get into voice acting if anyone who wants um, to yeah, me, me too, That's, me too. If I could just sit around and just like mean mug, but no one had to use what the mean mug was, like that's pretty <laughs> uh, uh, oh, yeah, but anyway, no, I, When I was a kid, I remember uh, Methuen changing from a town to a city and a bunch of buildings hadn't sprung up. So I was like, I don't, what gives? Also, yeah. I was like, you know, seven. So I didn't yeah, know what yeah. most things were. I assumed but, that it was like, oh, there are yeah, tall, tall buildings and a lot of people, like more, just more people. Maybe I'll look that up afterwards, but I feel like I will forget and not care again because it's probably I, not going to be the most interesting thing you could do after this. I mean, <laughs> as far as like a list of things that would be fun to do, I'm just after a podcast. I'm just going to end up watching soccer, and I'll probably end up googling a bunch of stuff anyway because that's what I do. Because like, I mean, that's the human experience now. Yeah, I like I love soccer, but it's not something that you need to be that I need to be like glued to the TV. It's the a whole lot time. of running. It's a lot, which yeah, is incredibly impressive, but very, yeah. yeah, you can definitely look away. So, like, if I just have the announcers on, they'll uh, they'll sound excited when I'm supposed yeah, to. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. social cues. You know, yeah. that's that's what I love. That's one of the most important things about soccer. Unless I unless I put on soccer. like a Spanish broadcast, in which case they're always excited. They're they're excited and then losing their shit. Yeah, the, so the I mean, two the, levels. The baseline is just much higher. There. Yeah. Because um, I think Americans are still kind of begrudgingly getting into soccer, which is wild to me. You know, I, I, I'm not a huge sports guy. I, if anything, I, I like baseball as far as, you know, if I had a favorite sport. Um, but I, I've come around on soccer a lot uh, because I think, you know, as a young American male, you're supposed to think it's lame for some reason. That's um, what they tell you. But I don't. Yeah, it's so weird how that is just like baked into the experience of growing up here. They're just like. You hate soccer. You think it's for like, you know, wimps or something. I'm like, I don't know. They run for 90 minutes. That's yeah. exhausting. Well, that's and that's why uh, <laughs> I hate listening to Americans specifically talk about like all the flopping and diving in soccer because it does happen. But also like I would I would love to see you run up and down yeah. for a field for 90 minutes straight, like sometimes at full speed. And even just like a little contact to throw you off balance sends you hurling and then you land on the ground. I'm sorry. You're going to be in pain, pal. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand. And then, you know, American football is there's about 11 minutes of actual play in like what seems like six hours. I mean, the, the whole day and they spend about 11 minutes pushing each other around. Yeah. It's basically like a just like a vehicle for advertisements. Oh, yeah. I mean, which I, all sports are, but like football, especially, is is oh, egregious I, in that. I I think that football is morally reprehensible. Actually, yeah. I, I I think that we ought to abolish it. Um, it's very very bad for people. I think that because yeah, uh, and I played. Football I don't like the NFL as an organization. Oh, I yeah. don't like the sport itself particularly. Um, I I also really like sports uh, that have 
a lot of back and forth movements of soccer, basketball, and hockey are oh, probably yeah. my three favorite. I like baseball when I go, but I can't really like watch a baseball game. I will I'll, I check in on the Red Sox and see how they're doing because like my childhood, like my inner child is like, I love the Red Sox. Go team. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. That that's also heavily ingrained in you. Um, as a kid here. I, I, I used to know so much. There's a lot of um a lot of the hard drive that is my brain, a lot of the storage yeah. space on that hard drive <laughs> uh, is filled with um, like baseball trivia, basically up to 2004. Like once the Red Sox <laughs> won the World Series, I was like, I'm free. You could cut. Yeah, you could let go. Uh, you know, we, uh, we finally, you know, you we finally were through the looking glass there. Yeah. Uh, so any any if I were to like give a piece of baseball trivia that has somehow like changed. Cause I, I think the last time someone won the, like the triple crown in batting was like Carl Yastrzemski in 1967 for the Sox. That, that might not be true anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any baseball facts after 2004, other than like the Red Sox have won a couple times and I got really drunk those nights. Baseball stats are really funny cause they're more active than the game. Um, yeah, like like those guys. I got a buddy uh, uh, who also uh, Nick Murphy, who used, who used to play a lot of shows. Around. He was in that band Vela for a while. Uh, he, he hasn't played a show in a while, but uh, he every time he goes to Red Sox game, he posts a picture of him doing his little scoring pad. And I'm always mm. just like, that's so sick, dude. Like, I love that. Yeah. I, I love all the tangential things about baseball or why I love it. I love that like me and a bunch of other yokel ass Bostonians <laughs> get to go somewhere, sit for some hours, yell together. Some of us are using pencils. It's a mess. <laughs> the seats are uncomfortable and they're never yeah. going to change. The floors are sticky. And oh, anytime a floor is sticky, you're kind of like, I wonder how this got sticky, but also I don't want to know. Well, you know, when they built uh, that in the early 1900s, people were much smaller. And now mm-hmm. even our brooms are too fucking big. So it's just, you can't even get in there. What are you going to mm-hmm. do? Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to mop it after <laughs> I always like, oh man, I've always wanted to go to a, the second pygmy game. Bostonians going to, <laughs> to uh, it's, it's Red Sox great. games in 1903. Um, <laughs> just very small yeah. little people. No, it really is just a game for people who are, are not fans of baseball, but fans of statistics. And they oh, keep inventing more statistics too, which I oh, think yeah. is really funny. It's, so it's a game uh-huh. for people that were good at math, but too poor to own a yard. And so they wanted, <laughs> you know, you want to go watch someone play in a yard. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get some anti-lawn stuff into this. Lawn, <laughs> lawns are against the environment. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, baseball is baseball's great. I understand why people hate it, and it is definitely boring. Um, I would love to see if I had, if I was going to make one change to baseball, and I promise we can get off baseball after this. Uh, I think the intentional walk is the stupidest thing on earth. Mm-hmm. I and uh, I my plan for combating this is always either every job should get an intentional walk or baseball has to get rid of it. The same thing with hockey fights, either, if, you know, me and Johnson have a disagreement. I get one in the gut and I had to spend three minutes by the water cooler and then it's done or, or hockey players have to stop punching each other in the face. It just seems weird to me. Yeah. And um, that second, the, the latter of those two options will never happen because that's a big reason why people like hockey. It's yeah, like the oh, one yeah. sport. Well, they st- I, do you remember I, 
God, it must have been probably 12, 15 years ago at this point. They banned fighting in hockey for a little bit and everyone stopped watching. Yeah. And they were like, ah, yeah. okay. Bring it back. <laughs> They're like, fine, Bring let them punch each back. other in the face. And it's like, I, 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 like, I, bless you, hockey fans. I don't get it. I, I honestly, like, I, I was never big into hockey as a kid, but like, the older I get, the more into it I get. And at least, like, like, I don't want to go out into the street and see, like, two random dudes fighting. I'm like, what is their problem? But, you know... Two guys with blades strapped to their feet on yeah, ice, punching yeah. each other in the face? No, I think, it's, I think it's great <laughs> for hockey. Like, that's what they know. That's what oh, they want to yeah, do. No, I, mean, I, the... say let, I say let them go at it. It's also really funny because they're trying to do it on skates. So, like, the whole... They're, like, slipping the whole time. And it's... Oh, yeah. They definitely... Really funny. Every hockey fight is like that... Uh, the way the Celtics logo would punch you. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a... I am half yeah, Irish. Irish. I'm allowed stance, to make yeah. that noise. Don't worry, oh, yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can, we can roast the Irish on this podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm Irish. I... Yeah, I, uh, my my family are the. I've got two Irish grandmothers and two French grandfathers. That's you know. Uh, I so got I got a. Sweet I get to make that note. Anything I, that rhymes with shillelagh, I can say.
All right, so that wraps up part one of this interview. Uh, next week, you'll hear part two of my interview with Jeff from Cheerful Desolation Choir and Doom Lover. Um, one thing that uh, I'm going to get better at as the show goes on is um, not every episode will be part one or part two of a really long interview. Not that I don't love talking to musicians for two hours straight and, and uh, you know, laughing and telling jokes back and forth and getting to know them as people. Um, just once I go to edit them, it does create like a little bit more of a challenge. Um, I also think, uh, you know, about 45 minutes to an hour is a, roughly the, the ideal length of a podcast interview. Um, but yeah, so that, that'll be next week. And then the week after that, we'll start moving to more, uh, one-off episodes of manageable lengths. Um, I do want to thank everyone who's listened, uh, so far. Um, if you're liking the show, um, you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, it's still in very much the, the DIY phase of things. So, as the show progresses, I hope to up the audio quality, um, you know, manage the, the time of interviews a little more. It's all been a learning process. Um, like I said, uh, early on in the show, early on in those first couple episodes, uh, this is a new, new project for me. Um, so I'm learning on the fly, which is my favorite way to learn. Um, but yeah, uh, hit me up at my email, uh, harry at alstonpudding.com. If you've been listening to the show and, uh, there's any musicians or artists that you would like to hear, uh, I'd be happy to reach out to them and try to schedule some. I'm pretty much down to talk to anybody of any genre, even if actually, especially if it's a genre that I'm not, you know, fully up to speed on my tastes are pretty eclectic but even even still uh there's some things that slide through the cracks all the time um and i'd love to get uh get some more info about those and and try to you know help listeners who might be interested in that also get into those genres those artists um also if you're a musician and artist yourself and you want to come on and talk about talk about your art, your relationship with art, music, what have you, then uh, feel free to reach out to me because I am super down to talk to you. Uh, anyway, have a good week, everyone. See you next week with part two of my interview with Jeff from Doom Lover and Cheerful Desolation Choir.